Hey, guess what day it is today, currently? Currently the day that we're recording, or currently the day this is released? Um, we don't record, it's released fully formed into the universe. Right, 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 we birthed the podcast. Yes, today on January 6th, 2019. Is the birthday of this episode. Yes. Weird thing about birthdays is sometimes you share them. With special, special people. Shan, today's your birthday! It is! Woo! Oh, oh! I've made it another year around the sun. Uh, uh, I am 28 of the years old. Uh, it is a Sunday. I was born on a Sunday also. Ah. I was born on a Wednesday. A Wednesday? <laughs> a Wednesday. Incredible. Yes, um, it was actually uh, Wednesday. Wednesdays are good too. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of birthdays mm-hmm. uh, of mine have gone by and they've been disappointing and then what happened is I found out what a podcast is and started listening to them all the time based my entire social life around podcasts made so many very good friends and had like the best birthday party ever last year and I actually got to have it like on my birthday you remember you last were there. year it was a great birthday party that you had it was i'm having the same party again this year but with more people mm-hmm. and not on my birthday because it's a sunday yeah and that would be nonsense mm-hmm. i'm having it on a friday this year yeah um last year your theme was themes the trend continues uh the annual birthday celebration uh is themed Mm-hmm. Theme themed. It's theme themed. Basically, everyone must dress as a theme and embody that theme as the night continues. Uh, last year, one of my f- other friends. Haiku, we had one rule. One rule, baby. Haiku, one rule. It was don't touch the. Uh, don't what touch is, the what did you do? You just what touched did you the blinds do? right then. What did you do? In a way, Haiku okay. is like the fourth host. <laughs> Who's the third host? The T. Oh, I forgot we cut out the tea talk. <laughs> we started off with a lot of tea talk, you guys. Oh, good lord. Okay, so no, the point is it's my birthday and you should all tell me that I'm cool and pretty um, and that you want to be like me when you grow up. I don't know why you'd want to because I'm still working on growing up, but we'll get there. Aren't we all, you know? We've been recording for three minutes. Should I do the intro? Yeah. Oh, um, it's your week, so trigger warnings? None! <gasps> I love that. I know. She lived a happy life. I'm so excited about this episode. Hello, and welcome to Vintage Lesbians, a personal journey of friendship and queer history where we try to set the record a little less straight. I'm Shan, one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Allison. Uh, And welcome to Vintage Lesbians. Allison, who are we talking about today? We're talking about Sally Ride. Ride, Sally Ride. I had an interesting note about that song. I'm so excited about all of this. I have um, almost no knowledge of who or what Sally Ride is other than a pretty cool person because you started researching her and then like two hours later you texted me, hey, I'm in love with Sally Ride. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't know anything about Sally Ride? Do you know like what she's famous for? No. Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. We have reached a gap in my knowledge. Hold on. I'm going to take my picture out so that I can... Post, I said I'm going to take my picture out. I meant camera because I got excited. And I'm going to take a reaction shot of your face when I tell you who Sally Ride was. Okay. First lady in space. Oh, I did know that. (laughs) (laughs) Underwhelming. First American lady in space. Is that a good picture? Because it's going on. It can, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I do like that I have uh, my The Queen of Everything mug. Mm-hmm. I have a Reading Rainbow mug. 
My parents, when I was little, called me the princess of quite a lot and the queen of everything because things had to go, like, my way. I was very particular <laughs> about how things went. I still am this way. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a Capricorn, as we've discussed. Indirectly. I'm, also, I'm also autistic. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a big part, of, part it. of it, too. But yes, I am a Capricorn. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn sun, Libra moon. Um, I'm a Pisces, you can tell, because I'm a dreamer. Aren't you a Pisces Aquarius cusp? I am. <laughs> I am that. That me. What's your moon sign? Um, I think I'm Capricorn moon and Virgo rising or vice versa. Oh, I don't remember my rising sign. You know what? It doesn't fucking matter. Let's anyway, talk about Sally Ride. I want to learn about Add me on CoStar Astrology, friends, and we'll find out if we are secretly going to be in love with each other. Or if you're compatible. I don't know how stars function. Neither do I. I just know that well, I like... that's not true. I know that they're big nuclear reactors up in the darkness of space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they control our uh, emotions and personalities. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> We're okay. going to talk about Sally Ride in just a minute, but did I tell you the story of... So when I was, um, right after I graduated college, I moved to Utah for about three months. Um, it was very bad, and I ended up um, renting a car to drive back to Seattle because my car that I came down with was dead and gone. Um, and did you so bury him? I did not bury him so much no as I sold funeral? him. No, mm. no, I needed that money to get back to Seattle. You know what? That's fair. Yeah. Um, but I went to the car rental place, and the lady said, "So why are you leaving Utah?" And I burst into tears. And she and I said, I'm sorry, it's been a hard couple of months. And she said, it's okay, I can see from your driver's license that you're a Pisces, so it makes a lot of sense that you're crying right now. And that made me stop crying, because I was very confused. Because, you know, sometimes I don't cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard you yeah. say. Um, I, I had heard that story. I love that story. Um, I have a cat in my lap now because she tried to touch the blinds again. Which isn't allowed, Haiku. We've discussed this. So I grabbed her and she made a very small meep. Anyway, Sally Ride. Dr. Sally Ride was the first American woman in space, the third overall. Um, at the time, she was also the youngest American to ever be in space. She was 32. Um, and she was queer. Yay! I love that. Um, so I wanted to, when I was making my notes, I wanted to figure out if I wanted to call her Sally throughout or Dr. Ride to be respectful. Mm-hmm. I decided to go with Sally because I think it would be fun for us to be kind of more informal and friendly with our subjects. But keep yeah, in mind, Sally. she was still a doctor. And so. Deserves your respect. Yeah. Um, and I will also mostly be referring to her as queer. Uh, she actually didn't come out until after she died. Um, which I'm about to talk about. Here's the thing about dying, is you can't come out after that. Can't you? No, um, coming out is a very personal thing. Is it? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> yes, <laughs> that part, that part I'm on board with you. But the other part? Oh, wait, just you wait. But she never publicly referred to herself as any label as far as I know, so... Okay, so queer. Queer. Um, so traditionally speaking, when we've been recording this podcast, we start with the birth. Then at the end... Talk about the death and I get all sad. Yeah. So this time, I'm going to begin at the end. Uh, Sally Ride died on July 23rd, 2012 of pancreatic cancer. She was 61 years old. Um, She was very, very private about her personal life. Uh, She had been battling cancer for 17 months and had never even announced it, so no one in the public even knew that she was sick. Yeesh. Um, 
In the obituary, it was revealed that she was survived by her partner of 27 years, Dr. Tam O'Shaughnessy, um, which let everyone know that she was queer and had been with a woman for 27 years. Um, Sally and Tam wrote the announcement together and chose to release it this way, kind of with no pomp or circumstance. Mm -hmm. And that, my friend, is how you come out after you're dead. What's up? I guess. Back to the beginning, though. 61 years previous to that. Uh, (laughs) We're very good at sound effects. True. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sally was born on May 26, 1951, to Dale and Carol Joyce Ride, which is the most 50s, like, name. This is Dale and Carol and their daughter Sally. Can you imagine? Oh, if someone wrote that into like a movie, I'd be like, that's like, not that's, realistic. Come on. No I get one it. It's the has 50s. This name. <laughs> um, Kate, Sally has a younger sibling who's still alive who goes by the name Bear. Um, Bear, like the animal? Yes. Uh, on the Wikipedia page for Sally, um, it says sibling instead of sister. You're laughing at me because I referenced the Wikipedia page. No, I'm laughing because then her name's Bear Ride. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It is the Bear Reverend. Name. Their name is Bear Ride. Yes. So in all of the other stuff I found about um, Bear, um, it says she and her and refers to sister. But since the Wikipedia page was purposefully changed to sibling, I got it in my fanciful head that I, that Bear had gone in and changed everything in the Wikipedia page to sibling because they felt more comfortable that way. Definitely. I just like using their as a catch-all until I know for sure because mm-hmm. here's the thing about it. It's gender neutral. Yeah, it sure is. Bear is a married lesbian woman and a reverend in the Presbyterian Church. Okay, I love Um, Bear. Can we do an episode about Bear? Absolutely. I only have one other fact about Bear. I don't know if I have enough. Okay, it's fine. Share it. So she was one of the first, um, she was in the first wave of women to be ordained by the Presbyterian Church. Um, One article about Bear and Sally's relationship talked about how Bear has two pictures hanging up in her office. One is of Sally and Bear standing next to each other, Sally in her astronaut suit and Bear in her clerical gown. And then the other one has them standing next to each other, Bear in an astronaut suit and Sally in a clerical gown. And I think that is so beautiful. I couldn't find it anywhere online, but it's the cutest. I really love when siblings love each other yeah. and they like have sweet and kind relationships. Mm-hmm. It's just good. And they have jokes. And they're friends. Jokes and japes. Jokes and goofs and japes. Ah, three of my favorite friends. Sally was always strong-willed, independent, athletic, and smart. As a child, um, her first word was no. (laughs) When she was a child, she became obsessed with playing football on the street, and her parents signed her up for tennis because it was safer than her playing in the street, I guess. I guess. Um, There she befriended a young girl named Tam O'Shaughnessy. Heard of her? She, they've known each other that long? Yeah, they became friends when they were 11. Oh. Right? Um, <laughs> that's so cute! I know, Okay, right? I'm okay. <laughs> it's good, it's good. I'll show you pictures later. Um, she always got good grades very easily, as you may have gathered from being the first lady astronaut in space who was American. I feel like working hard for your stuff is just as valid as not work, not having to work as hard. Right. But then I also think she probably worked really hard. She did. She worked really hard. Although she still called herself an underachiever in high school because she refused to pretend to be interested in anything that she wasn't actually genuinely interested in. I love Sally Ryan. Right? And then when she got to college, she only studied things she was interested in. And so she took off into astrophysics. I love Sally mm-hmm. Ride. So there are reports of her saying that she would refuse to pay attention in class if it was boring. Like, you know. Oh, yeah, same. 
Mm-hmm. I would not pay attention in classes that I thought were not helpful to me, and I would do other homework for classes that I needed to pass instead, and then I would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Her weakest subject in seventh grade was home economics that all girls had to take. She is quoted as saying, um, can you imagine having to cook and eat a tuna casserole at 8 a.m.? Oh. <laughs> after she graduated from high school, Sally went to Swarthmore College in Pennsylvania, but dropped out after three months because she was homesick and she wanted to focus on her career as a professional tennis player. Hmm. Interesting. After moving home to practice tennis, she... She was a professional <laughs> tennis player. No, she was almost a professional tennis oh, okay. player. Um, Tam became a professional tennis player. I'm going to talk more about her later. She moved home. (laughs) I am overwhelmed with information. This is the best. Continue. She's the coolest. She took a few classes at um, UCLA and took a few physics classes and then eventually decided to enroll in Stanford instead. She played tennis for the Stanford team and eventually became nationally ranked. She met Billie Jean King, who I think we should do an episode about. Um, who advised her to quit college and devote herself to playing tennis. But Sally Ride decided not to do that. Good job, Sally Ride. Years later, um, when a child asked her what made her decide not to go into tennis, she laughed and said, a bad forehand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sally graduated in 1973 with bachelor's degrees in physics and English because she was interested in lasers and Shakespeare, respectively. Okay, okay. She um, got her master's in physics after that, and then a PhD in astrophysics in 1978. Her PhD focused on x-ray astronomy and free electron lasers, which I thought was just like a neat little tidbit. She's just into lights and how they do that thing. When she was in her doctorate program, her school newspaper ran an ad saying that NASA was looking for women astronauts. Um, She looked at the qualifications they listed and said, I'm one of those people, and then she applied. Uh, There were 8,000 applicants, and six people were accepted, including Dr. Ride. Uh, She was accepted into the space program the year she graduated with her doctorate, and then went into space in 1983 and 1984. That's just nuts. I know. I just graduated college, and my school newspaper said, NASA's looking for women astronauts. And I was like, hmm, I could be an astronaut. I like space. And then a year later, I was a fucking astronaut. (laughs) Like... (laughs) (laughs) nuts god she's so cool yeah i wish she was alive and unwed so i could marry her (laughs) well i might have a solution for you what (laughs) so i have a convoluted conspiracy theory are you familiar with the song listing sally mustang sally (laughs) yep that's where we get the ride sally ride oh um yeah (laughs) so it was written in 1965 Um, Which is before she became an astronaut, you may remember. And it initially um, had the phrase, ride, mama, ride. But Aretha Franklin heard that and said, you should change that to Sally because I think it'd sound better. So I'm starting a new conspiracy theory. Aretha Franklin is a time traveler. (gasps) And so it's not outside the realm of possibility that we'll meet her someday on one of her time travels. Yeah. Yeah. And then say, hey, you know Sally Ride? Can I marry Can we her, marry please? her? Thanks. Can you take one of one or both of us back? Yes, I'm. I'm comfortable with being in an open uh, relationship with Sally Ride. Tri- we can form a triad. Yeah, quadrat uh, with Tam. Oh yeah, Tam. Mm-hmm. Tam, my girl, Tam. Shana. Um, in 1982, Sally Ride married her fellow astronaut Stephen Holly. They lived a very private life together. We don't know a lot about their life together. 
Um, and we'll get back to this marriage in about five years. Did Stephen have a beard? Probably not because he was an astronaut. He's an astronaut. <laughs> I mean, it, he might have had a beard at some point. I was making a joke about him being a beard. Oh, hey, that's funny. Thanks. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I was taking it very seriously. He has a kind face. In 83, she had an interview with Gloria Steinem um, that PBS has since animated into a short video. It's really cool, and we're definitely going to post that on the Facebook page. Hell yeah. And in that video, um, they talk about what it was like after it was announced that she would be the first woman in space. Uh, she got the gig because she helped develop an arm on the Challenger, and she was the best person who was able to use it. So they're like, all right, you're going up there. So we want the best to do it. One of the things, yes... Fun anecdote. Please. For those of you wondering, Allison keeps saying yes because I keep raising my hand because we <laughs> are really bad at, at not interrupting each other. Fun anecdote, uh, the arm on the International Space Station uh, is Canadian and it's called the Canadarm. <laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> I am so pleased with that. <laughs> oh. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Sally always credited the women's movement for getting her as far as she did. And it did help her a lot. Um, if the women's movement had never existed, NASA probably wouldn't have made the commitment to hire women astronauts. She probably wouldn't have been able to enter the physics department at Stanford. Yeah. Um, she still obviously dealt with a lot of sexism in her kind of day-to-day -day life as a woman in the sciences. And in the early 80s, when she was about to go into space, that often would be most public. And the clueless sexist comments and questions that she got from the press that none of her other people did. Like, how are you going to do your makeup in space? I thought we would start um, by doing a little role play. Okay. You want to be Sally? Yes. All right. Uh, Dr. Red. Dr. Red. Uh, yes. Yes. Hi, Bill Billings uh, from the Billingston Bugle. Oh, my favorite publication. Side note, I didn't write that down. That was just off the top of the dome. Okay. <clears throat> uh, will this flight affect your reproductive organs? What? <laughs> oh, Mr. Miss, Ms. Ride. Dr. Ride. It's hey. Doctor? Yes, it's, yes, it is Dr. Ride. Hi, my name is Steve Stevenson from the Stevenson... You're my second favorite publication. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you plan to have children? Like, before I go to space? Do you no. Want, do you want to be a mother? I want to be an astronaut. Okay. Um, are you going to wear a bra or a makeup in space? Any makeup in space? What are you bringing up with you for vis-a-vis -vis makeup for your space travel? Sally turns left to face her fellow male astronauts and says, Are you guys bringing underwear? <laughs> so we're all, gonna we're all taking underwear. Mm -hmm. um, hey, when things go wrong on the job, do you weep? Is the real question she got. And she didn't pick up hot coffee and just throw it. What she said was, How come no one ever asks Rick these questions? <laughs> um, and they asked her a lot about, like, How are you going to deal with menstruation in space? Oh, by the, the way. The same way we deal with pissing and shitting in space. You did a great job. Those are almost kind of word for word what she actually did. She probably didn't swear. Probably not. No, <laughs> I could not find that. Um, so when they asked, uh, will this affect your reproductive or organs, she'd just say, there's no evidence of that. Um, do you have plan to have children? Uh, and one thing, she would always evade uh, that question. And then if they kept asking it, she'd say, um, you notice that I'm not answering that, right? And then move on <laughs> to the next one. Very good. Regarding menstruation, they provided tampons that were connected with strings connecting them, like a strip of sausages. Didn't so they, they wouldn't send a hundred of them with her? And one of the engineers asked if a hundred would bring enough to bring with her on the yeah. first week, or for one week. The, the lack of 
just common knowledge surrounding mm-hmm. female menstruation and female reproduction is disgusting. Mm-hmm. They said, is 100 the right number? And she said, that is not the right number. <laughs> End of Telluride quote. <laughs> when um, Ride was announced that she had been named to a spaceflight mission, her um, shuttle commander introduced her as the prettiest member of the crew. Disgusting. Right? As I mentioned earlier, when that interview with Gloria Steinem, this is my sexism that Sally Ride faced uh, section. She said the worst question was, when the simulator malfunctions, do you cry? Like, yeah. no, she's a scientist. No, I think, hmm, I wonder why that happened. And I mm-hmm. go and I try to figure it the fuck out. What do you do at work <laughs> when, when your typewriter explodes, you fuck? Possible I don't know a lot about typewriters. They installed a new privacy curtain around the shuttle's toilet, which I feel like was probably good for cool. everybody. I feel like maybe the dudes would have been chill yeah. with a privacy curtain too. But the part that made that land in the sexist area is because um, when it was installed, the CBS news reporter Diane Sawyer asked her to demonstrate it. And she's just like, nah, <laughs> like it just closes. It's a curtain. Yeah, I'm not going to go to the bathroom for you right now. Gross. On the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson had a hilarious joke about how the shuttle flight would be delayed because Dr. Ride had to find a purse to match her shoes. Ha 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 ha! Women! It's funny how women all care only about these three things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Ride, incidentally, was chosen for the space program because she was very good at her job, but also because she was very talented at keeping her cool and dealing with stress, and she became uh, very known for being able to shut that shit down. People Magazine wrote an article about her that we should also post on Facebook. And I'm saying Facebook because it's, so- sh- it's easier to share a link on, on the I'll Facebook. just say on the socials. On the socials. On the socials. Soch. Check your social meds. Just check the social meds for all the things. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, title of the People Magazine article was called, oh, oh, what a ride. Fed up with those dumb chauvinist questions. America's first woman in space is ready to prove herself. And the fact that she had to prove herself mm-hmm. at all when, like, yeah. no one made... <laughs> like, Neil Armstrong didn't have to prove himself. He yeah. just went up into space. Exactly. That article includes the following paragraph. In an hour of interrogation that is by turns intelligent, inane, and almost insulting, Ride remains calm, unrattled, and as laconic as the lean, tough fighter jockeys who surround her. It may be too bad that our society isn't further along and that this is such a big deal, she reflects. On June 18th, 1983, Sally Ride went into space. A quarter of a million people watched the launch from Cape Canaveral in person, and millions more watched at home. Uh, She made it back safely. They landed. She was congratulated by the president, and then she spoke to the press. And she said, The thing that I'll remember the most about that flight is that it was fun. In fact, I'm sure it was the most fun that I will ever have in my life. Uh, She was very upfront about how much she just loved space. Mm-hmm. Remember when I texted you that I was in love with Sally Ride? Yeah. I was getting into researching how much joy she had about space and what a nerd she was for flight. <laughs> when she initially lifted off, the first thing she said was, that was definitely an e-ticket, which is a reference to a system that Disneyland used to have in the olden days, in the oh, 70s. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we were born. Yeah, they had, they had like, the tickets, were, the tickets for the rides cost money, too, mm-hmm. and the e-tickets were the most... They were the like, new the, ones, the, the fun new ones, ones. The fun ones, the yeah. coasters. So she essentially That's went to delightful. space and, almost it seems involuntarily, immediately said, this is the best ride I've ever been on. Mm-hmm. At the end of the People article, she is quoted as saying, I came into this because I wanted to fly in space. 
Um, my intention after the flight is to come back to the astronaut office, get back in line, and try to fly again. I'd like to do it as many times as NASA will let me. That's awesome. Which was twice? Twice. Well, Whatever. we'll get to that. She was going to go a third time. Um, her main shuttle was the Challenger. Heard of it? Yup. So, like, maybe something happened. She said that all she wanted to do was fly, to soar into space, float around weightless inside the shuttle, look out at the heavens and gaze back at Earth. And if you think of those iconic pictures of her, I don't know if you can picture them right now in your head, but they will be on the really, social media. really, because of how mm-hmm. I don't really know much about her. But in all of her pictures, she's just grinning, beaming, and she's showing this infectious joy just coming out of her face. Um, and it looks so genuine, and you can tell that she is exactly where she wants to be and that she's having the time of her life. And exactly where she wants to be is mm-hmm. space. Yeah. Years later, she was speaking to an auditorium filled with about a thousand kids, and she said, imagine this room in space, and you could do 35 somersaults in a row. My favorite thing about space was the weightlessness. There's not even a close second. She's so cool. She's so cool. Um, She also speaks about her time in space with this overarching feeling of wonder, which I love. Um, Tam actually wrote an article about it, and I'm going to read part of it right now. Okay. Uh, she told me about the first time she floated over into one of the space shuttle's small windows and looked back at Earth. She was awestruck. She watched the Gulf of Mexico and Florida slowly moving past, and then she looked out towards Earth's horizon. She saw a fuzzy blue band hugging the curve of our planet. She said it looked like a kid had taken a blue crayon and traced Earth's curve with it. Sally realized it was Earth's atmosphere, our air. It looked so thin and fragile, yet she knew that it was all that separates us and protects us from the blackness and vacuum of space. When Sally returned to Earth, NASA sent her around the country to give talks at schools, companies, and organizations. She always showed her favorite photos from space, and she always pointed out that fuzzy blue band, Earth's air. Sally went on another mission in 1984, which incidentally was the year my parents got married. That's not on my notes. It just sort of popped into my mind just now. Hey, Mom. What happened? Thanks for listening. Uh, She was scheduled for a third one, but the Challenger exploded in January 86, and the program was suspended, and she eventually retired from NASA in 87. After the Challenger exploded, Sally served on the mem- uh, served as a member of the panel to investigate the explosion from Congress. She served on the panel in 2003 as well when the Columbia disintegrated on its re-entry into Earth. During her time on this panel, she gained a reputation for asking very tough questions. She was very reserved and calm in public, but her colleagues said that she was always really angry in private, mm-hmm. that there were a lot of signs of troubles that the hires up chose to ignore because of money or deadlines or something, and... They didn't treat the space program with respect, and people died because of it, and she was pissed. Obviously. She could have died. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that was her fucking shuttle. <laughs> yeah. One of the engineers um, was a contractor uh, with NASA, and he warned his bosses and NASA that the booster seals might fa- fail in cold weather because of a issue he found. Um, they ignored him. Challenger took off on a cold morning. Um, his colleagues were shunning him after he revealed that. But after his testimony, Sally publicly hugged him. She was the only panelist to offer him support publicly, and Roger said that her gesture helped sustain him during a very troubled time. In 87, just before she left NASA, Sally led a study team that advised them on the future of the space program. She said that the ultimate goal should be to go to Mars, but that they should probably build a lunar outpost on the moon. You know, like lunar outposts are. That's what lunar means. Um, she said that it would combine adventure, science, technology, and perhaps the seeds of enterprise. Um, which I'm hoping she didn't mean, like, let's bring capitalism to space. I think that was probably there for that, that was asking there for Congress like, to be like, no, well, you should do it. Come sense. on. Yeah. In 1987, Sally and Stephen also got divorced. 
several sources say that their marriage just dissolved into friendship. But also, if you do the math, uh, the marriage ended about 26 years before she died. And the obituary very clearly says that she and Tammy years, were yeah. 27 partners. Uh, she was a science fellow at the Center for the International Security and Arms Control at Stanford for two years. And then in 1989, she became the director of the California Space Institute at UC San Diego and was also a professor of physics there. And I get excited about that the same way you got excited about UCLA because I was born at the UCSD Medical Center <gasps> in 1990. <gasps> and I know the Medical Center isn't part of the campus, but we both lived in San Diego at the same time we could have been friends. You totally could have been friends. I, a newborn baby, could have been best <laughs> friends <laughs> with someone in their late 30s. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Your souls would have known. Yeah, she would have seen me in the nursery and been like, you. You're gonna you're gonna do a podcast. You're gonna grow up and do a, a podcast. About I know what me. the podcast is. Um, Sally was very passionate about encouraging young people, especially girls, into STEM fields. Uh, she and her partner Tam wrote six science themed books for children together. Um, and if I can deviate into more about Tam for a minute, I think that would be acceptable. Yes. So she wrote the six books with Sally, and then she's actually written twelve books total so far. She's still alive, so probably more to come. So we can be her friend. We can. She's really cool. She was a professional tennis player for a while, and then she retired from tennis and got her bachelor's and master's degrees in biology, and then she got a PhD in school psychology and was a professor for a decade before retiring to co-found an organization with Sally and three of their friends. What was the organization? Well, let me tell you. As I've mentioned, Sally was intensely private. Uh, She guarded her personal life very closely. Uh, She received fame from her work, but I think she may have been happier to just do the work with out everything that yeah. went along with it. That makes sense. Um, Tam actually mentioned that in an interview. Interview in an interview. Tam actually mentioned that in an interview. Um, she said uh, Sally was an interesting blend of a person who wanted to do big things and wanted to become famous, but only because that meant she did those big important things. But at the same time, what she loved is a very normal life. She thrived on having a home life where she could get away from work, get away from the demands of the celebrity, and just be a normal person, play catch in the backyard, go for walks, go to the grocery store. She liked doing all that stuff herself. I think it was just her nature. Uh, Sally rejected project endorsements and memoirs. The reason we haven't seen a Sally Ride movie is because she never okayed a Sally Ride movie. That makes sense. She didn't want to use her name for anything. So if she did use her name for something, it would have to be something that she was really passionate about mm-hmm. and something that she believed in intensely. Of course. The organization they started together was called Sally Ride Science. <gasps> yeah. Um, their goal was to make science and engineering cool again. Right? That's rad. Yeah. Sally gave interviews talking about how stereotypes still persisted about girls in science and math. For example, the idea that girls had less ability and less interest in those subjects or would be unpopular if they excelled in them. I went to a comedy show last night and one of the comedians uh, was trans and he had uh, a joke that I can't remember the exact wording of because I was laughing too hard, um, but it was basically that he was bad at math <laughs> <laughs> as a child and wanted to be better at it. It's actually um, pretty true that um, at younger ages, girls and boys are just as they have the, like, they have the same ability. good in math and they, science. Children, okay, so there's, um, there's a book called The Science of Neurosexism that I read several years ago. It's still an excellent book. It basically looks in... Nerd it, alert. <laughs> it dives into <laughs> the actual biological and physiological differences in a male and female brain, and then it rolls back and sees, like, okay, are these differences uh, apparent at birth? And mm-hmm. they're not. The parts of the brain that... Um, 
that are like stronger in, in adult males and stronger in, in adult females, they're different because those are the parts of brains that got used. Mm -hmm. Those are the parts of brains that were allowed to develop more. Like boys are better at math because we put them in math more. They're better mm -hmm. at science because we encourage them to go and be in science and we let them do these dirty, gross, hard, dangerous things. And women are from birth programmed to be dainty and clean and small and smell mm -hmm. nice and oh don't do that that's too hard let your brother do that like no let mm -hmm. me do it then I can do it let me learn to do it yeah um I remember reading about a study where they had a baby and when they put the same baby in a girl's clothes and had strangers play with them they would like hold her close and show her dollies and give her and soft things yeah. gentle toys um when they put that exact same baby in boys clothes they'd be like oh go play over here yeah, let's go look at blocks here's some blocks here's you're some fine trucks. over there you like spinny things let's figure out how the world works when you ask a two-year-old girl what she wants to be when she grows up she will give you a thousand different answers a doctor a ballerina a horse these are all answers <laughs> that i've gotten from children by mm -hmm. the way some of my kids actually tell me they want to be a nanny when they grow up and then they stop and then they say, and a vet. And I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you can do both those things. You can do anything. But you ask those same girls a few years later when they've been in the school system for a bit, when they've, you know, been in the world a bit and their answers change and they diminish and they become... And maybe that has to do with growing up and maybe that has to do with like, oh, well, I didn't realize mm -hmm. that being a doctor was, was this hard and like... I, I'm not all that interested in science and like fine but this the the young boys that we ask those questions mm -hmm. a few years later they are similar still they're still like yeah. oh I want to be an engineer I want to be a doctor I want cuz they're encouraged to do these things these these intellectual things and like god no wonder the world sees women as more stupid cuz we haven't let you mm -hmm. haven't let us be smart yeah you haven't let us show all the things that we can do. So thank God for Sally Ride. Yeah. It started out, uh, they would travel the country and create science programs to appeal to girls, like science festivals, camps, clubs, and then help them find mentors, role models, and one another. Um, today, it's still going on strong. Uh, they put on events for kids. They provide teacher training and resources and ultimately just promote science and technology for all children. Um, and if anyone is interested in reading some article, articles, Oh, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> if anyone's interested in reading some articles about some kick-ass women and girls in science, I would suggest that you head over to sallyridescience.com right now and just go to town. So today they have a workshop called The Science of Harry Potter. <gasps> Middle school students explore the science and magic of the world of Harry Potter through video clips, presentations, discussions, and group play acting. Topics include genetics and trait prediction, parcel tongue giants and squibs, acid and base chemistry, marauder's map, Fantastic Beasts, and Herbology. Science has never been so magical. Pre-register online at sandiego.gov slash library next. Um, and she spent the rest of her life devoting herself to promoting STEM and now STEAM resources for our next generation, pausing only to be in one episode of Touched by an Angel in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> she could do what? Was there anything she couldn't do? Mm -hmm. She played herself in an organized, um, episode about the angels helping a woman astronaut find her faith after her mother's death. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Sally was our first queer astronaut, but she and her partner chose not to tell anyone until after her death. Um, this includes their family. 
Um, in an interview, Tam said Sally never verbally openly told her mother, father, or sister Bear that she was gay and that we were a couple, but Sally also never hid it from them. You know, I went everywhere with Sally and she went everywhere with me and our different careers and with our friends and for family holidays. So for almost three decades, I was really part of the Ride family. And her parents are really smart, especially her mother and sister, and so they knew a long time ago that we were a couple. Her mother is very progressive. Sally could have easily told her a long time ago, and Joyce Ride would not have cared. She would not have blinked. But it just shows how strong Sally's sense of privacy was, and also, I think, her fear. So why do you think Sally didn't come out? I have some ideas. I don't have necessarily a right answer. To her family or to, to the world at the large? To the world at large. Like, why do you think she kept it so personal to herself? I think she probably didn't want any more spectacle surrounding mm -hmm. herself. I mean, there was already, she was already the first, you know, American yeah. woman in space. She already had that modicum of fame. There was already that weighing on her. I, And even before that, if she was out in the 70s and 80s, she would never have gone to space. No, she never would have. <laughs> never, ever. And and honestly, like, I, 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 I support anyone being out, especially people in the public eye, but... There is no rule that says you have to be open about your private life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's helpful for queer people to be more open because it makes it more normal, but we don't expect straight people to be open. Yeah, yeah I think she just yeah. didn't want the spectacle. Mm -hmm. Tam also said that she really, really loved NASA and Sally didn't want to hurt NASA by publicly coming out as well. Um, NASA now includes queer people in its non-discrimination policy and used to have a webpage um, that I wasn't able to find. Either they changed the link in the articles that I looked at, or, um, I don't know, someone made them take down references to supporting queer people on the, the internet. It's weird. Who would have yeah. done that in I the don't past know. two years? Um, but in 1990, NASA actually quietly ordered a working group of physicians to declare homosexuality a psychologically disqualifying condition for the space program. That didn't pass, and... The people who are in charge of that are no longer in charge of NASA. Good. Um, they still have a diversity policy on their website, which is pretty vague, but I think a vague diversity policy can be helpful because if you just name every single person You're that you... are going to leave someone yeah. out, yeah. Um, and they did very much openly support the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that made gay marriage legal, and they still continue to refer to Tam as Sally's partner on her official NASA biography page. If you're going to be at the cutting edge of science, mm -hmm. which NASA is ostensibly, yeah. you also have to be at the cutting edge of culture, mm -hmm. which is queer. It's it's queer and it's brown and it's young. And if yeah. if they aren't going to, you know, step into 2018 and be in well, 2019 now, if NASA can't step into 2019 and accept that, like, the people that they want working for them are going to be more queer and more brown than they ever have been before because those people get opportunities now, then they're going to end up with nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They'll die out. And I don't want that. No. Give me some space. Give me that space. I want that space. Sally and Tam <laughs> talked about if they would um, come out when they started the Sally Ride Science, and they almost mm -hmm. did, but ultimately decided not to because um, their science company initially depended on corporate sponsorships, mm -hmm. and yeah. back then they probably wouldn't have gotten would have been bad. Then on March 11th, 2011, everything changed. Sally was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, Tam wrote, From her diagnosis until her death 17 months later, Sally and I became more publicly open about being a gay couple. We no longer worried about the impact on our company. Uh, Sally and I wanted to be as connected as possible. We became certified domestic partners in California. We introduced each other saying, She's my partner. We became publicly affectionate. Um, 
in Sally's last days, she left the decision to, about coming out publicly to Tam. Um, she said, being open about us might be very hard on NASA and the astronaut corps, but I'm okay with that. Whatever you think is right is fine with me. Um, Tam said that the decision was difficult, but ultimately closing their relationship, disclosing their relationship in the obituary was amazing and she felt so freeing. Um, she said, I was profoundly moved by this very public acknowledgement of my central role in Sally's life. I remember thinking, finally, I don't need to be secretive about who I am anymore. Oh, how I wish Sally could experience this with me. Shortly after her death, uh, Sally's death, Tam got a call from the Navy saying that the Navy wanted to name a research vessel after Sally. And they asked Tam to serve as a ship sponsor, which is the role that's usually filled in by the wife of the man the ship was named after. Um, she was blown away and said, wow, don't ask, don't tell really is history. This was in 2011. <laughs> the RV research vessel, Sally Ride, is owned by the Navy and operated by the Scripps Institute of Oceanography at UC San Diego. It was commissioned in 2016 and is the first Navy research ship named for a woman. She left an incredible legacy behind her. Um, I could list all the honors bestowed upon her, but there's not enough time for that and it's not necessarily good audio. Um, but... I wanted to touch in briefly on a concept called uh, ambient belonging. It's a psychological okay. concept. Um, so it's shown to have an effect on things like college students' choice of subjects. If you feel that your gender, race, sexuality, or anything else sets you apart, then seeing a person like you in that field will make you more likely to go into it. And the reverse is also true. Um, so like, for example, I really loved physics in high school. I actually won an award for being awesome at physics. That's right. I didn't um, know that. But I ultimately decided not to go into physics, um, mainly because I can, I could visit science for a while, but I don't necessarily want to live in science. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that if I had seen a lot more people like me in science, I might have been more likely to go into it because it seems like a really lonely road yeah. where I'd have to fight all the time and I don't want to do that. It's representation. It matters. It's if I grew up not seeing a single other fat person anywhere in the world. And so I felt alone. I like I grew up in Los Angeles. There mm -hmm. were very few other fat people there. Um, and as a child, I wasn't even fat, but I certainly was made to feel like I was. Um, so, you know, looking around, I didn't see where I fit in, where I could be successful. And it kind of just like, okay, well, no one else thinks I matter. So I guess I don't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, no one else feels like it's important to invite me to the table or invite people like me to the table. So I either am going to go sit in the corner or make a place for myself at your table or make my own table. Speaking of tables, as we wrap up here, thank you for teaching me about Sally Ride. That yes, was a really lovely. Sorry, I started just tearing up there at the end. I'm gonna end with um, a quote on Gloria Steinem. Well, uh, okay, okay, but if you can go first, and I can, I can end it later. Also, what works better? Here's a Gloria Steinem quote. <laughs> she said this right after the day after um, Sally went to space for the first time. She wrote that. Millions of little girls are going to sit by their television sets and see that they can be astronauts, heroes, explorers, and scientists. Yep. Um, and then Obama awarded Sally Ride the Medal Freeman posthumously. Posthumously? Posthumously. Um, Tam accepted the medal on her behalf, and uh, he said that Sally inspired us to reach for the stars, and she advocated for a greater focus on science, technology, engineering, and math that would help us get there. Um, she showed us there are no limits to what we can achieve. Maybe her sister, Bear Ride, said it the best. Um, I hope that it makes it easier for kids growing up gay that they know that there was another one of their heroes that was like them. Um, and then, on a follow-up question, they asked uh, Bear if what she thought of people who would 
posed legal recognition of her sister's relationship. She said, who cares about them? There are those who are stubbornly ignorant, and if they want to continue in that, God bless them, but they best not talk about my family. Sally Ride didn't want to be an icon. She wanted to do science and love her life without having to think about her sexuality and how being open may impact her career. Um, but now that she's gone, the queer community has really embraced her with open arms. Um, LGBT kids can see her and know that it's okay to be like her. One student summed it up by saying, I know a number of queer students or allies that are students, um, but I have no visible contemporary queer scientist role models. Now we have Sally Ride. She's just cool. She's really cool. Aretha, baby, if you're listening to this on your time machine. What if we started a television series about a time-traveling Aretha Franklin who listens to podcasts from the future? <laughs> uh, I feel like it would be six seasons in a movie. Honestly, it's appearing mm-hmm. before me. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. Uh, representation is so important. So uh, Congresswoman uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was sworn in wearing gold hoop earrings and bright red lipstick mm-hmm. as a like a little sh- a nod to Sonia Sotomayor who when she was sworn in was told to wear um to switch her red nail polish for nude polish so as to not to cause any mm-hmm. scandal and uh of course Justice Sotomayor kept her red um and the 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 part of the tweet that like really got to me was now when Bronx girls are told to take off their hoops they can say they're dressing like a congresswoman. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yes, the thing. This is the Put thing. black people in Congress and mm-hmm. little black boys can say, I look like a congressman. Yeah. Like, it's that ambient belonging. You see yourself other places and it, it makes everything better. You can see it, you can be it, you can dream it, you achieve it. Anyway. All right. So I have a teen pop star to introduce you to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I look forward to it. You should. So that's all I have. And we both have to run to things. Thank you so much. For all of that. That was really good. Um, yeah, uh, so as you may have noticed, we've switched our release schedule to Sundays because... Uh, it's easier when we have it's the just, weekend It's to just easier with our life things. schedules. Um, I work full-time. I, I work more than full-time, and I just accepted another part-time job. Like, I'm... Mm, this mm-hmm. is a priority, and it needed to be a little more sustainable. Yeah. Also, Allison's moving into my house. So. I am. <laughs> We are going to save so much money and have an easier time finding a it's time gonna to record. It's going to be great. Uh, so we'll see you. We'll not see you. We never see you. Do you I'll just... see you. I see every single one of you. What I've done is I've taken all the data. No, no, don't tell, don't, don't say anything else because there will be an injunction. Cameras. <laughs> no. Look forward to hearing us on Sundays or mm-hmm. whatever days you listen to your podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We love you. I love you. Bye. Bye.